Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for the message you hear today, that it will inspire you and encourage you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, please check us out at CVC Madera, both on Facebook and Instagram. And you can check out our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church. Thanks for listening. Off, I just wanted to say what an absolute honor it is to be with you today. Um, uh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me to this moment. And so I'm looking forward to our time together. I, uh, I wanted to talk today about every day I'm wrestling. Um, recently I've seen a lot of memes on the theme of, uh, every day I'm hustling. I don't know about you guys, but I see these things and, and I crack up because it does feel like every day we're out there hustling, we're doing the do, we're getting it done. But I begin to think about, um, the scripture um, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, Paul talks about. And I thought, you know what? The truth is, is that not only every day are we hustling, but every day we're wrestling. And uh, Dan Gable, a gold medalist and wrestling hall of famer, he says this, that once you've wrestled, everything in life is easy. Now, I've never been a wrestler, but uh, my dad was. And every time I hear about wrestling, I automatically think of my dad. He was all county. I have his little wrestling trophy uh, still on my my bookshelf at home and um, we still get to hear great wrestling stories from my dad he reminds us that his name is in the gym McKinleyville High and all these great things all of his great wrestling stories but Ephesians 6 12 tells us for we wrestle not against flesh and blood right but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places places. And so even on our good days, when we're sitting in the church and we're sitting in church, remember before COVID, we were sitting in church and we're praising and we're worshiping God. Even on our good days, our old man, our flesh is out in the parking lot doing push-ups, getting stronger. Uh, scripture talks about putting on the new man and the new life that you've received in Christ. But have you ever noticed that it seems like, and I remember one of my Bible school professors saying this, that the old man is never so dead that they can't be, that he can't be resurrected in a moment's notice. And that's very true, especially if you're cut off in traffic. All of a sudden, I remember one day I was on my way to work and I was commuting in and I was just singing praises to the Lord and I was driving and somebody cut me off and I went from singing praises to immediate irritation because the old man is never so dead inside of us that it can't be resurrected at a moment's notice. So we wrestle. Every day we're wrestling. Uh, I found this about wrestling. I found it very interesting. Wrestling is a difficult sport because it's synonymous with struggle. Isn't that the truth? It's perhaps the toughest sport to endure. It takes immense strength. And as my dad will tell you, cat-like speed and reflexes, agility, tactical wit, and the heart of a lion. That's what they say about wrestling. Um, and it's an individual sport. Not everybody wrestles at the same time. I think that's called football. But wrestling is an individual sport. Although you have teammates on the side of the mat cheering you on, you have to go out there and wrestle. You don't get to delegate your wrestling match. That's called giving up, right? And I think of it as how the scripture tells us that we have a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on, but they can't do the job for us. They're not the one getting in the arena, but they're cheering us on. Uh, you can't tap out of wrestling, 
or call your partner in. Well, you can tap out, but you're losing, right? And you can't, you can't call your partner in. This isn't, you know, this isn't WWE or WWF or whatever that's called. It's not that type of wrestling, right? And so during this season of COVID and unrest, political tension, it's easy to stop wrestling and stop doing our part in the spirit and to get out of our routine. If I'm going to stay positive and full of the Holy Spirit, then I have to wrestle with my flesh. I can't coast. I can't expect to stay in step with the Holy Spirit if I'm not doing anything. Uh, one of the greatest ways, and I'm going to talk about four ways today that we pin our opponent, that we pin the enemy. And so the first thing I want to talk about is we pin our opponent, we pin the enemy through worship. And worship is a form of surrender. Uh, when I raise my hands, when I'm in worship, it's a form of surrender. I used to wonder as a kid, why are we raising our hands? What's up with that? Until someone explained to me, oh, it's a form of surrender. It's a form of raising your hands and saying, okay, God, I give this completely to you. I'm reminding myself when I raise my hands that he's God and I'm not. Um, recently I've been working at something, uh, I've sold my home and I'm having to find a new home and the market up here, I live in Sacramento. It's absolutely crazy. And the different places I've been looking, you know, I, I put an offer in and come to find out it already has four or five offers uh, on the property. And so I've been praying something called the surrender novena. Now it's a Catholic prayer. I'm not Catholic, but I love this prayer. And it goes like this. It's, Oh Jesus, I surrender, take care of everything. And I love prayers that are short little mantras that I can memorize now that I'm past 40, that I can memorize and I can use them in a split second. Oh Jesus, I surrender to you. Take care of everything. When all of a sudden that house that I wanted and I felt like it was a God thing and it doesn't come out and it doesn't, and it doesn't pan out. Oh Jesus, I surrender to you. Take care of everything. In those moments where maybe your illness has returned or maybe you've lost your job. Oh Jesus, I surrender to you. Take care of everything. See the markings of a true worshiper is joy. Isn't that great? At the beginning of the year in January, before COVID, I was uh, in Atlanta and I was in attending a coaching seminar, learning how to be a life coach. And one of the guys began to talk about a book and I thought, you know, that sounds really interesting. It was called The Insanity of God. And so right there on my phone, because of technology, I was able to order it and I had it shipped directly to my hotel room in Atlanta. And by the time I was flying back home to Sacramento, I was finishing up the last chapters and while I was on the plane, I just couldn't hide it as I began to weep openly as I'm reading this book. And it was all about a gentleman who'd been a missionary and he'd endured so many things on the mission field. And so after he came off the mission field, he began to study the persecuted church. And he went all around the world. He went to the Ukraine. He went to Russia. He went to China. He went to uh, uh, Islamic countries. And he began to study groups of Christians that had been persecuted. And he, he said that the group of Christians that fared the best through persecution were the Chinese. And he found out why. And you want to know why? Is every day they sang when they were in prison. And I'm reminded that if I want to keep my joy and I want to pin the enemy on the mat, I have to be a worshiper. I have to worship. 
And so one of the things I do is I literally sit in the mornings when I sit before God. And there are times and there are days when I turn on worship music and I just begin to lift my hands or I get out an old hymnal and I go through all of the old hymns that I used to sing as a child. And a lot of times I'll sit there and they bring up such good memories of my grandparents and that little church in Corbell that I was raised in. And I begin to cry because I'm worshiping the King of Kings. And it's a reminder that he's God. I'm not. The second way that I'm able to pin my opponent is through gratitude. See, gratitude is a byproduct of forgiveness. And scripture reminds us that those who've been forgiven much, loves much. Psalms 103, two through five says, forget not all his benefits. What are those benefits? If you look at the rest of that scripture, it says that he forgives our iniquities. He heals our diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. I love that one. Isn't that great? It's so true. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies you with, with good things and your youth is renewed like the eagles. So counting your blessings is not forgetting the benefits of knowing Jesus. Gratitude, my friend, is a cure-all for things like self-pity and jealousy. It's hard to, listen to this, it's hard to compare yourself to others when you're thanking God for what he's given you. If you get in that comparison trap, it's hard to get out. I've heard many people say before, if when you compare, you despair. And that is so true. So today, if you've fallen in the comparison trap, you look at other people's social media and you go, why am I not having fun like they're having fun? Begin to thank God for what you have. And 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.18 reminds us to give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. So you want to know the markings of someone who lives a grateful life? Look at this. I'll tell you. It's that they take care of what they've been given. It's true. If you're thankful for your car, you're going to wash it. You're going to vacuum it. You're going to take it in for an oil change. Some of you are going, oh no, wait, I'm not thankful for my car. If you're grateful for your kids, you're going to take care of them. If you're grateful for your relationships, you take care of them. We show gratitude by taking care of what we've been given. Grateful people take care of what they're grateful for. Let's look at the third way we pin our opponent. We, we pin our opponent, the enemy, to the mat when we are prepared through mental preparation. I'm going to call this part grit, right? I prepare mentally each morning for my day. I spend 30 minutes focusing on the goodness of God. I actually do it. I set a timer because I know me. I know I'll say like, well, it feels like 30 minutes and I've only been there for 10. Have you ever had those mornings? And I focus on the word of the Lord. I listen to his word. I, I actually take my, my Bible reading app and I read one chapter and I meditate on what that chapter says. And I meditate on the Lord. Now, sometimes I got to be honest, in my mind, I'm hurting cats. And sometimes I'm just resting at his feet. Sometimes I'm singing a melody in, a melody in my heart. The, the writer of The Art of War sends us, says this, that every battle is won before it's fought. And wrestling match, wrestling matches uh, are one, aren't one on the mat, they're one in the mind. 
I don't know about you, but the most I wrestle with is usually in my mind. And I'm not even so much wrestling with the enemy as I'm wrestling with my own thoughts. I'm wrestling with Shar. So let me give you a filter. The word of God gives us a filter of what we can put our thoughts through. And here's a filter. It's Philippians 4, 8. You knew this was coming, right? Think on these things, whatsoever things are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise. These are the things that we need to be thinking on. If it doesn't fit through that strainer, then I don't need to be thinking about it, right? Think of it as a colander for your thoughts. If you're, if you're a cook and you're in the kitchen, it's a colander for your thoughts. Our thoughts are so important because they direct our emotions and our emotions direct our actions. I I know it's true. They're not supposed to, but it, but it happens. If I'm having a bad day, there's always a reason. I can always pin my negative reactions to wrong thinking. When I assume bad of people, I will respond negatively to them because my thinking has been corrupted by my emotions. I have assumptions of people. Why? Because all of a sudden I begin thinking these thoughts that aren't true. Distorted thought patterns. DDPs, my friend calls them. Distorted thought patterns. And all of a sudden I respond and I react out of those emotions that those distorted thought patterns have produced in my life. What are the markings of a mentally prepared follower? Someone who has mental grit in this game during this COVID season? I'm going to tell you right now, the markings of a person who has mental grit is peace. They allow the peace of God to guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 4, 7. And I honestly, I think of that guard as someone who stands like this. You know, I live in a pretty rough neighborhood. And when I walk into the store, when I walk into Rayleigh's, especially at night, there's an armed guard at my Rayleigh's. Yeah, I know. It's a pretty rough neighborhood. Now you can see why I'm moving, right? But he's literally, sometimes he's standing there and I look at him and I'll say to him, hey, thanks for being here tonight. What if I walked in and I said, hey, nobody, I got this. And I tapped him on the shoulder and I told him, you can go home. I got this. I'm sure I'm here. That's what we do when we allow unfiltered thoughts in our minds. We are tapping peace on the shoulder and we're saying, no, 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 we've got this. I don't need you peace. I don't need you on duty. See, the peace of God is on duty in our lives, protecting us. And when we don't strain and filter our thoughts, we are excusing the peace of God from our lives. And we're saying, no, 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 I don't need you on guard duty. I got this. Markings of a mentally prepared follower is peace. Do you have peace in your life right now? And the last thing is I pin my opponent through generosity. You say generosity. Yeah, it's true. In scripture, Jesus tells the disciples to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse those who have leprosy, to drive out demons. And then he says this, freely you have received, freely give. Generous people know how to receive. Have you ever tried to give someone a gift and they they didn't really want to take it and they played the humility card? And it left you feeling like, man, I don't really ever want to give that person a gift again. Generous people know how to receive and they receive in such a way that the giver gains from the exchange. If you have a problem, if you have a problem receiving, then you most definitely have a problem giving. 12 steps says it this way, that you don't get to keep what you don't give away. I, um, 
a while back, I was watching a documentary. I love documentaries, and so as you can you can tell, I'm, I'm a Netflix documentary fan. And there was a documentary on there. Don't hold it against me. Don't judge me. On Woodstock, and I I was just enamored with the structure. They went through the structure of how they put together this music festival that actually held 500,000 people um, and no fighting broke out. Nothing broke out. Here, here we are in the 60s and they had never had an event, a large event, where there wasn't some sort of rioting. I, I think nowadays we probably could, <laughs> we probably could uh, uh, take some examples from Woodstock, but anyways, I digress. And one of the things I found most interesting is that they had a tent set up at Woodstock for people who had taken drugs and were experiencing a bad trip. They were having a bad trip. They'd gotten a hold of some bad shrooms or whatever. I don't know drug lingo back in those days. And they were just experiencing a bad trip. They could go to this tent and people would literally sit with them and they would hold their hands and they would talk them off the ledge, so to speak, and they would talk them down and they would walk with them and talk with them through their bad trip as they were freaking out, as they, was ha as they were having anxiety. And then after they came off their high and they were in their right mind, they would begin to say, thank you so much for helping me. And the person helping them would say, okay, now that you've received help, what you have to do is the next person who comes through this tent who's high and is having a bad trip, you need to do the same thing that I just did for you. And as I was watching that, I thought, what a picture of the church. Because we all come in sick. The church hasn't been designed for the well. It's been designed for those who are in need of a doctor, the doctor being Jesus Christ. And so as we come in and as the Lord begins to redeem us and begins to work on us by using those in the church, those around us to help us, the thing that we need to do is to begin to give that away. And we look at the entrance for the person who's coming in so that we can help them, so to speak, come out of their bad trip. Maybe they've been through abuse or they've had a bad life, or maybe they are just, they just don't know the love of God. Maybe they've had a great life, but they're not content. And so the markings of a generous person is that they are able to give it away. The markings are that they are content. I love this. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether we've, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. Paul talks in that scripture, I've learned the secret. Now he doesn't say what the secret is. I believe that the secret is generosity. He was continually giving of himself. Even when he was in prison, he was giving something that looked like it had set him back, actually set him up to write the epistles, the prison epistles that we now read so freely in church. He was generous. I believe that his secret of contentedness was that he was generous, that he was able to give away what he'd been so freely given. I'm going to continue to give of my time, my talent, and my money, no matter what's going on around me, because I'm content with who God is and where I am in life. Wow. I'm going to read that statement again because I believe it's profound when I wrote it. I'm going to continue to give of myself, my time, my talent, and my money, no matter where I'm going and what's going on around me, because I'm content with who God is 
and where I am. To be content. One of the things um, I recently learned about wrestling as I was studying for this message, and I didn't know this, that if you are on the bottom position, you know, you'll see them. Uh, my dad would have all these terms for it and all these things. And I don't know the lingo, as you can tell, but you see that as wrestlers get set up before they blow the whistle, uh, that there's one usually behind and there's one in the lower position. And one of the wrestlers writes this. He says, if you are on bottom on the bottom position, meaning your opponent has taken you down, is on top of you, you can get one point by getting up and escaping or breaking free from their grasp. It's such an easy point that many coaches oftentimes put wrestlers in the bottom position when they choose which, which position to adopt between periods. To the untrained eye, the bottom position looks like the wrestler is in an inferior position, but to the wrestler, it means that they can usually score. Just because you are on the bottom doesn't mean you can't win. Today, maybe in this season, you're feeling like you're on the bottom and that you're being beaten up by the enemy and you're wanting to throw in the towel. And my friend, after you watch this video, I'm going to invite you to ask Christ to show you what move you need to make, so to speak, to put on the enemy. What are you saying, Char? Well, I know that in wrestling, there's a bunch of moves to be able to get out of the position that you're in. And you're in a position where you just maybe need to score one point. What move is it that you need to make on the enemy? Maybe right now you need to start worshiping. Maybe you've lost your joy and it's time for you to start singing. Or maybe you're just feeling like you've lost your gratitude. And you want to begin to write out maybe a gratitude list or, or maybe begin to look around and count your blessings and remind yourself what you're grateful for. Maybe you're lacking peace. And so you haven't been using your filter and, and uh, on your thoughts, you're lacking peace and you need to hold up that colander, that filter and read uh, Philippians 4, 8 and use it as a filter on your thoughts. Or maybe you're in a state of discontent. And you're realizing, listen to this, and you're realizing that the wells of your generosity have dried up. So you used to tithe and give in offerings, but you haven't been doing that lately because maybe of COVID. Or you used to give of your time and talent, but now you're coasting and you have an excuse, maybe so to speak. You know, I've heard this illustration before and it, it just reminds me on a regular basis that in our, in our progress, in our, in our walk with the Lord, that really it's like trying to go up a down escalator. I don't know about you, but I, when I coast in my spiritual walk, I don't coast toward the positive. I tend to coast toward the negative. And so the Lord is saying to us today, he's reminding us today to get back in the game, to get back on the mat. Don't start tomorrow, but start today. Recently, I heard someone say, tomorrow isn't a day of the week. And I love that. And I thought, how true is that? Because my friend, every day we're wrestling. And with Jesus, I want to remind us that every day we're winning. And so I just want to take a moment and I want to pray for you. And I'm going to close my eyes and I invite you to do the same. And as you close your eyes, I just want you to ask the Lord Jesus, Jesus, 
what move, so to speak, would you want me to make on the enemy today as I wrestle in my relationships, perhaps, as I, as I wrestle and, and things are happening in my life that every day I'm wrestling with my old man, Lord, what is it? What is it that you want me to do? Father God, I thank you for this opportunity today. What an amazing moment this has been to remind us, Jesus, that we can't just coast during this season, but God, that we are wrestling, but we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. Lord, we're wrestling with principalities. We're wrestling against the enemy, but we don't have to wrestle alone. Holy Spirit, you're with us. You're leading us. You're guiding us. And so today, God, I want to worship you. Uh, I want to wrestle and I want to worship you uh, with my worship, God. Father, there's been thoughts that I've been hanging on to that, that don't fit in the filter. Or Lord God, I haven't been experiencing your peace or I've been wrestling with discontentedness, God. I pray, Father, that I would dig out those wells of generosity again and I would become generous again, Lord Jesus. I pray that this message would touch hearts in your name, Father God. Thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends. It helps us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting the ministry of Central Valley,